You are now listening to The Oliver Manley Show. This episode is brought to you by Oliver's Picks. This is my monthly newsletter where I share the top five most inspiring and impactful books, videos, movies, articles I've discovered, and drop them straight into your inbox. Want to start your month off with a boost of inspiration? Sign up for Oliver's Picks at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. For years, I've contemplated how to synthesize the work I do with my coaching clients into a more bite-sized format that still delivers the growth and transformation I know is possible for each one of us. Thus, I created a 10-step process and teach it over a weekend workshop called Reinvention Roadmap. If you're interested in knowing more about yourself and creating a life that's in harmony with who you truly are, check out reinventionroadmap.ca for dates, tickets, and information, and be sure to use the code word BREAKTHROUGH to save 20% off admission. That's reinventionroadmap.ca, code word BREAKTHROUGH. Hey guys, Oliver here. Welcome back to another episode of the Oliver Manley Show, where it is my job to explore what is possible for us as human beings by diving into the breakdowns and breakthroughs of inspirational people. These are world-class coaches like Hans Phillips or Philip McKernan, serial entrepreneurs like Mike Bursick and Jen Pike, leaders of powerful movements like Happy on Monday's founder Mimi Boyer or Short Bus Talks' Ian Zabo. Whoever they are, shit gets real raw, vulnerable, and we get to dig out powerful insights that we can all apply in our own lives. Guys, if you get value from the show, please be sure to subscribe at olivermanalise.com forward slash show or on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever you get your podcasts. Please, as always, feel free to support the show by sharing this with a friend on social media. And as always, if you haven't already, you can rate and write us a review over at iTunes. For any links, books, resources, videos, or people mentioned in the show, you can go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show for the full show notes. Today, my guest is the powerful Dr. Isaiah Hankel. Isaiah is the author of Black Hole Focus, an international bestseller, and more recently, The Science of Intelligent Achievement, How Smart People Focus, Create, and Grow Their Way to Success. His work has been featured in The Guardian, Fast Company, and Entrepreneur Magazine. He's delivered presentations, workshops, and keynotes to over 20,000 people worldwide just in the past five years. As a founder and CEO of Cheeky Scientist, he helps PhDs transition into corporate careers. And as the director of Henkel Leadership, he consults on career development, employee management, entrepreneurship, focus, and motivation to several Fortune 500 companies. He's spoken at Harvard Medical School, Stanford University, Vanderbilt University, University of Oxford, England, and the list goes on and on. Some interesting facts about Isaiah is that he grew up working on a sheep farm in the Pacific Northwest of the U.S. before getting his doctorate. After earning his doctorate, he successfully exited several tech companies and went on to formally train in behavioral economics, behavioral psychology, and online marketing. His blue-collar background, white-collar corporate training, and academic credentials allows him to work with a wide range of organizations and individuals. Together, we discussed his most recent breakdown and breakthrough at an obstacle race, how negativity spreads like the flu virus, the importance of auditing your life and taking responsibility for your life, his best advice for boosting mental energy, the best time of the day so we can produce 5x the results. He shares about his latest book, The Science of Achievement, and we talk about so many valuable insights. I know you're going to get a ton of value from this. I'm so excited to share this with you guys. My friends, let's give a warm welcome to Dr. Isaiah Hankel. I am here with Dr. Isaiah Hankel. I'm very excited to have you on the show. Welcome. Great to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, So we said before we hit the record button, I wanted to just have us open up the conversation with a little bit about what's a recent breakdown that led to a breakthrough for you in the last 12 months. So for people who don't know you, you are a very active, high performer, uh, CEO and founder of Cheeky Scientist, Henkel Leadership, Focus and Behavioral Health Institute, and the best-selling author of Black Hole Focus. And uh, congratulations on the Science of Intelligent Achievement as well, your most recent book. But uh, I would love love for us to to get to know a little bit more about you, kind of what's happened behind the scenes in terms of challenges, adversities that you've had to overcome, maybe as it pertains to uh, the releasing of this book. 
Yeah, for sure. You know, I, I will mention one that happened recently just because it's it's uh, on the top of my mind. I recently did one of these adventure races, uh, one of these Spartan races, and I, I've done a few of them before, Tough Mudder, et cetera. But this one I, I signed up for because I hadn't done one in a while, and I was like, oh, I'll do this. Oh, it's called The Beast. No problem. I didn't realize it was one of their toughest races, and I was severely undertrained, and I got about halfway through, and it was just – it was in Montana – you climbed up a few different mountains, and there came a point where my, all of my, basically all of the muscles in my legs started to cramp up, and like, like, and and spasming. Which is, I mean, I do a lot of sports. I wrestled in college, etc. So I know like where things can go from there. <laughs> and I, there was at this point where I was like, I might not finish this race because I still had seven miles to go. I think it was a thirteen mile um, race. And you know what what goes through my what went through my mind at that time is something that I think can help a lot of people. Um, a, I was like, okay, what's going on here, like biologically? Like, do I just need to get more water in my system? Gatorade, etc. I didn't have a water pack, unfortunately, so I, I had to make it to the next uh, stop once I got some water in, and they gave a couple of uh, like a little uh, energy gels. I got better. That was the first question. The second question was, okay, you know, what can I do here mentally to compensate what's breaking down physically? And I think a lot of times we have circumstances in our life that we face and we forget to call on our most valuable resource, which is our, our mental strength, our mental energy, our mental toughness. You know, we think about, oh, the biology or, oh, the logic or even the emotion, but we don't think about this, this powerful resource of, of mental energy that we have and focusing it on getting through X, Y, Z no matter what. Right, and that's what I, I basically said. I said it does not matter if I have to crawl the rest of the way here. I'm going to finish this race. I'm not going to not do it. And I and I, and I noticed a shift in my body once I changed that mindset because you get tired, your willpower gets depleted, and you start wavering. Um, that that was a really important factor. And then competition. A lot of us talk about how competition is a bad thing, but I looked around and I'm like, look at this person over here. How is this person going to finish the race? And I'm not going to finish this race. You know, and I, don't, I think a lot of people, have, they struggle talking with that. They say, don't compete. I think that's all garbage. Absolutely use reference points, competition to drive you forward. And so, so that's something recently that happened. Um, but you brought up the book and I'll just say, you know, there's a story in the preface that talks about a kind of a medical crisis that I had. And how it stopped me in my tracks and made me evaluate my life on a much larger scale than what I just described um, during that race. But the same questions came up. What's happening biologically, right? Really, which is just like the logical side. Like, where, what did I do wrong? How can I fix this in a, a very tangible, logical way? But then also, how can I adjust my mindset, right? What, how do I need to, where do I need to put my focus, my mental energy, my most valuable resource? And then what reference points can I, can I call upon? Can I surround myself with better people? You know, can I compare myself to somebody else who got through something similar and do what they did? And so th those three, so those three things still apply no matter what challenge you're going through. Yeah, yeah I, I noticed that something about your work that stands out from a lot of other people's that you have a tremendous focus on. Um, I mean, if you just look at your, your YouTube videos, I looked at like what, what are the most popular YouTube videos? And I also, you know, read uh, a lot of your work and you talk a lot about uh, negative people, narcissists, manipulators. Um, tell us a little bit about the, the role that has in what you uh, and what you're trying to empower people with. Just because, you know, as opposed to just like rah, rah, like let's just be really positive. Some of the hard things to tell people is, listen, you can't, you know, you can't outrun your environment. The people around you are sucking you dry. Like I would love to know kind of your perspective from that. Yeah, it's something that I've always really kind of leaned into talking about because there was just nothing out there when I first started talking about it. Like everybody would be, like you said, rah-rah, which is a very U.S.-centric thing. We're all very positive and gung-ho, but fortunately I've spent a lot of time internationally and giving talks and stuff, and I've seen a different side of things. But one thing that was consistent is there are a lot of people out there who will try to drag you down in direct ways and more often um, than direct ways in indirect ways. You know, they'll be passive aggressive. They'll promise you help that won't come. They'll pretend to be your friend, but they'll subtly undermine your best ideas and when you want to change your life. And I think that holds people back more than anything else. And it's actually a, it's, it's a fact. I mean, we have a lot of scientific studies that have been done in terms of tracking emotions like negativity, tracking 
goals that other people have. Other people have small goals. You're more likely to have small goals. These things, tra- these things travel through social networks the same way that a flu virus does, and it's going to affect you more than anything else. You, you can have the, the best focus in the world, but if you're around p- people that are distracting, uh, if you're around negative people, you're going to get less done than you would if you weren't around those people because you're – like you said, the people in your environment, they, they really affect you. And that's why you have to be deliberate with who you let into your life. What was the biggest example of you having to, to, to do that, to live that philosophy in your life, maybe recently or maybe a, in a very important way? You know, I had a um, – uh, a group of friends in college that were just hilarious guys. Really enjoyed hanging out with them. Great guys still. Um, and there came a point a few years after college, and I think a lot of people have experienced this, where uh, you know some of them weren't really doing anything with their lives. Others were just kind of they became overly negative. Not kind of like in the fun guy busting your balls kind of way, but just like negative and would try to hold you back or put you down whenever you made something else happen in your life. And, and I started to realize that, you know, this was not a, a healthy environment. These were not healthy examples uh, to be around if I was going to try to achieve bigger things. Like for me, one of the biggest things I was trying to achieve at the time was getting my first book published. And I realized that this was really holding me back. And so I, I did everything wrong after I realized it, though. I said, okay, this is not good. So I didn't know how to handle it. Like instead of having a conversation, instead of taking responsibility, I basically sabotaged those relationships and had a big falling out and it was a lot messier than it needed it to be. Uh, and so I learned from that though. And I realized that, you know what, you need to audit your life and you need to realize there's negative people in your life that don't need to be there, but you also need to take responsibility for it. You mentioned those videos before. One of the big differentiators is, is not like, Hey, everybody's a narcissist. Hey, people are negative. It's all their fault. It's like, there's these people in the world. It's your responsibility to surround yourself with the right people not to spend all your time labeling these people. And you also need to look at yourself. Are you being a negative person? Are you um, justifying you know, your small goals by pulling other people down? Instead of competing with them to be better or using them as inspiration, are you trying to hold them back? So I think that self-reliance, self-responsibility piece is really important too. Yeah, you also mentioned turning negative people into advisors. Mm. Which is the first time I've heard anyone say something like that in that way. I would love you, love if yeah. if you could uh, expand on that. Yeah, so you know, I think you can turn negativity into productivity very, very easily by using it as motivation. It's a little bit like what I just talked about with the story of of being in that Spartan races. Hmm. A lot of people will say, "Hey, don't compare yourself to others." I think that is complete again garbage. You you want to compare yourself to others because your brain it's wired to look for reference points and feedback. And there's a great book called, uh, I think it's called Top Dog, that talks about competition and breaks down the biology and the science. And it talks about Michael Phelps when he won his eighth gold medal and how he almost didn't do it. Um, well, during that race, there was another swimmer in that relay that was behind the person he was racing against by quite a bit, but he was able to see how far he was behind that person, and he knew that he could get ahead of that person. Um, and, and those two things simultaneously provided him with energy. And this is a biological thing that happens a lot. So what I mean by this is you experience something negative or a negative person, whatever else, use that to your advantage. You know, whatever you want to call it, compete with them. Uh, See what they're doing that's upsetting you and realize that whatever they're doing that's upsetting you is probably a reflection of something that's going on in yourself. Right. And and if you just own up to that and say, okay, I'm just kind of competitive in this way because they're loud and boisterous and I'm also loud and boisterous. So I can compete with them positively and and maybe – realize that maybe I shouldn't be as loud and boisterous all the time, or maybe I should avoid doing that certain kind of behavior because it's really annoying me, or I should just try to be more loud and more boisterous to be better than that person. Either way, that's all better than just labeling that person or talking about it behind their back and, and then trying to you know prevent them from being who they are because that's, that's going to ruin you instead of them. Yeah, so what I'm hearing, it's, it's more about your inner dialogue of what's happening. So if people are negative to you, it's almost like, why are they negative to me? Like, what is it in my experience or about me that pisses me off about these people? And because that's really all I can, all I can do uh, is control my own behavior and my own actions. But this person, they're just going to be the way they are. So it sounds like that the whole uh, the idea of responsibility continues to be fused into yes. your work. And you can't pay for that kind of motivation. I mean, how many success stories, whether it's 
you know, uh, Oprah or if it's, you know, the, the author of Harry Potter, I forget her name somehow. Um, if J.K. It's, Rowling. <laughs> if it's uh, you know Sam Walton or Henry Ford or any of these any of these people that built their lives, there's, you read their biographies and their stories, and there's always people that told them that they couldn't do it. There's people that put them down. They they always had these massive challenges, and that if you if you use that to your advantage instead of just sulking or being depressed or complaining about right. it, it is massive energy. I'm always like, please somebody tell me I can't do something. I hope somebody today says I can't do something related to my goal because that is just so much motivation, so much competitive energy. It's it's so valuable and, and most people spend their lives running from it because they can't handle it. But if you would stop running from it, turn and face it, uh, you'd, you'd have more energy than you'd know what to do with and you'd, you'd start having breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. Yeah, I, lo- I love that because it's, it's really in how how do we relate to that to that experience? Is it oh they're so great that means I'm gonna suck forever, or like wow they're showing me what's possible in a human being, yes. and if they can do it, maybe I can do it too. I think that's that's a big difference. Exactly. Yeah. Inspire. Use that as inspiration to rise above in some way, yeah. not to label or sink down and race to the bottom. Yeah. So so your career has been uh, has been picking up the pace a lot in the last couple of years. And uh, from speaking all around the world and working with thousands of people, starting companies, building businesses, books, um, I would love to know what has shifted uh, in terms of just your perspective or, or maybe what you thought you were getting yourself into and then how, how do you look <laughs> back at it now? Yeah, you, you, I've heard a lot of people say this before and I never knew what they under, uh, were, were talking about, but they, they'll say something along the lines of, if I knew what I was getting myself into, I wouldn't have started. And <laughs> that doesn't mean that you don't enjoy what you're doing now. But you have no idea how much work it takes to get to where you want to go. And it's good. And this is why it's so important to start before you're ready. And so I think the biggest shift is is before I was imagining all of these things happening and I was living them out in my mind. And people are different, but I, I – I'm a big vision guy. Like I have stuff all around my office or where I work or my home and stuff that motivates me. So I kind of create that world even you know, in my mind and in my surroundings visually and otherwise before I actually get there. And what starts to happen is that you start to achieve some of the smaller things related to those goals and to that vision. And then there's like this healthy tension that happens where there's who you were before and who you're becoming. And then it starts to snowball, right? There's like a tipping point, whatever it was. You know, and for me, it was getting the first book and some, sp- some of the speaking events and the, the company, et cetera. But a funny thing has happened. As I started to achieve those things, I went from just expanding and – and I heard this said somewhere and I loved it. I went from just throwing spears to holding up a shield, to contracting, to focusing and consolidating on what I was doing, right? So instead of just like trying everything, eventually the right thing is going to pick you and now you have to block everything else from distracting you from that one thing that's really starting to blow up. That's that's a perfect segue to my next question because I wanted to find out you're a big proponent of saying no. I would love to know what are the biggest things you've said no to recently. You know, it's it's never really one big thing. It's a yeah. lot of the small things. You know, for me, it's okay. like okay, like I am not things. going everyday thing. Like I'm, you know, I call them non-negotiables. Like I'm not going to uh, work past this hour because I need to get exactly X amount of sleep for me to function at my highest level the next day. I'm not going to sleep in past this uh this time because i need to get up and i got to do xyz as part of my morning routine or i'm not going to be primed to really be able to dig into my work and and be productive i need to have these checkpoints along the way you know and i think having non-negotiables to bookend your days and as bookmarks throughout your day it's much more powerful than having a a to-do list because when you have non-negotiables or when you have a the reverse of a non-negotiable like a huge goal you're going after everything else will fall into place and it's much more effective than you know focusing in on the the, the tiny details or, or or some list that you have on on your desk what have been the most powerful practices that you've put into place i think you know mapping out the biggest items for you to accomplish the next day right i think mark twain calls it swallowing the frog first thing in the morning it just means doing the most painful uncomfortable thing right away uh you know, leaving yourself even just 20 minutes of time to do those big things before you get into your emails, your calls, and everything else, that that's crucial. Um, for mm. me, you know, there's a lot of books that – one I really like from um, Hal Elrod is uh, Miracle Morning. 
Um, there's a lot of different ones, though, that talk about it. There's a lot of books on stoicism now and different stuff that talk about taking, you know, some time in the morning to read something, even if it takes you five minutes. Write something for five minutes. Do something physical with your body for five minutes. Prime your brain. Listen to something. Visualize. That, for me, is crucial because it just gets my brain to a state of being able to perform well. And the most important you know, the most important asset you have, which is in my newest book, The Science of Intelligent Achievement, is your mental energy, right? Uh, everybody says it's time or, or money, but it's not time because we've all been exhausted at the end of the day and watched a bunch of, you know, uh, YouTube videos of kittens or dogs or whatever, right? Like we've, we've watched the same movie twice before. The right time is yeah. not your most valuable asset. Asset, It's your mental energy. Uh, it's, not, it's not your money, right? If you have a watch and a cell phone, which tells time. Like obviously, money is not your most valuable asset. It's really not. It's your your energy, which allows you to produce, to perform, etc. And very few of us protect that. And so, getting your mental energy primed and in the correct state for you to produce during the day, that that's the most important thing for me. Even to the point of tracking it throughout the day. And this is in the book too. Like just track on a scale of one to ten where your mental energies are. Um, there's a lot of studies that show your mental energy is going to peak about two hours after you wake up. So in those first two hours, what are you doing that's going to get your mind ready? And then how are you organizing your day so when your mental energy is peaking, you you have time to just execute the most important things that you're doing? What are some uh, two or three really practical things we can do to boost our, our mental energy? Boosting your energy? I mean, really the big things are they're, they're not going to be a big surprise to you. One is getting enough sleep. Like there's a lot out there not right now about willpower depletion. And you only have a certain amount of decision-making units during the day, a certain amount of willpower. It gets depleted, whatever. The good news is when you sleep, if you get the right number of REM cycles, it gets filled back up. So you start the day fresh. So that sleep's really important. Track it. See what your weekly average is on a Fitbit or whatever else and just make sure you're getting you know, the, the right amount of sleep. Also, make sure you're organizing your day around your mental energy, not the other way around. Like a lot of people, yes. like I said, their mental energy peaks two hours into the day. What are most people doing two hours after waking up? You're at the office, checking emails, going to pointless meetings. Like get up a bit earlier so you can use some of that peak mental energy to write that book, start that business, get that promotion, whatever it might be. Um, so I, I would say instead of organizing yourself around your daily activities, organize your daily activities around yourself, which is in essence your mental energy. It's like finding out what – like here is my rhythm and then here's what I have to accomplish. Let's – put those things in place so that I'm just, I'm right at that moment. It's like a MMA fighter. They work really, really hard to peak right at the moment they're about to step into the cage. Yeah. Great Which example. Is, I, I think human beings are the same way is what you're saying. Yeah. Well, no matter what skill you're trying to sharpen, that's exactly what you want to do. You want to map out when you need to peak. You want to look ahead. Most of us get, and I'm guilty of this. Most of us get busier and busier and busier and doing things that we love, but we forget to kind of zoom out and plan ahead and peak at the right time. And and not just peak, you know, every year at the right time or multiple times a year or the right quarter, but just a peak daily. You're going your mental energy is going to peak daily. What are you doing? There's a great re, uh, great study is listed in the Har uh, Harvard Business Review article that talks about your mental energy peaking. That peak state of mental energy it only lasts for 90 to 120 minutes a day. So in the top two hours, that's it. And most of us know this. Like you're in that zone. And when you're in that zone, you are four to five times more productive in that zone. So what does this mean? It means that time really is relative. It's your, it's your energy that's going to determine how effective you are. So if you clear your plate for those two hours during the day, you're going to get five times as much work done just during that two hours. And we've all experienced this. Like if you've ever worked from home, whatever – and gotten to that flow working state, you get done more in an hour or two than you do eight hours a day at work because people are distracting you the whole time. Absolutely. So it's crucial. Yeah. So I, I noticed that for myself, as, as I reach milestones in my career and I, and I witness my clients reach milestones, it seems like the more successes that they, that they get, the more opportunity comes their way. The more uh, opportunities, more possibilities, a little bit more chaos – I would love to know how you how you manage that because that that has a direct impact on mental energy. It's like you know you talked about having the shield. Mm. You know the more you the more you accomplish, the more breakthroughs you have. You're going to start to attract people who want your support, people who want you to come and do X for them or for favors or whatever it is. How do you manage that? The favors is not even a, a hard part, right? It's 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 what you said first was 
the opportunities. Like yes. you, you reach a state that's known in some circles as deal flow, right? Like so you become successful enough, you know what you're doing, you have enough credibility now, and other people just start bringing opportunities to you. And they're all good opportunities, yes. solid opportunities. But they're not going to make you great. And, and that's a problem. And again, this is something that I'm guilty of and you have to really fight against every day. You have to hold up that shield every day as you take on these things that can be bringing you in uh, extra income or extra clients or having a, just an impact on other people, all this different stuff. And you just say yes, 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 because especially if you, you're hitting that fastest part of your growth phase in whatever your goal is, it's exciting because just a few years ago you were doing nothing and just dreaming about it. No one was ringing the phone. <laughs> right. So now you're just like, yes, 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 yes. And then – you realize that this is going to this is now what's going to keep you from being great because if you want to take whatever that best thing is that thing that's going to choose you or that you notice choosing you mm-hmm. you need to take that focus on it and make that great because that will go to a hundred x or a million x what any one of these individual x's will do and so while you're taking 50 different x's and you're thinking oh if i just add another x i'm going to get ahead no you need to actually say no right Put aside all those X's and go after the one thing that's going to take you again to that 100,000 million X. Awesome, man. Tell us a little bit about your definition of leadership and intelligent achievement. Yeah, well, I, you know, I think leadership is an adventure more than anything else. And I think it's a great way to think about it because you want to have fun doing it. And you, you, there's going to be problems, right? None of us, when we hear the word adventure, we don't think that it's just somebody. <laughs> yeah, we don't think it's somebody every day being like, oh, this is amazing. This is amazing. No, it's tough. That race I just told you about, it's called an adventure race, but it's one of the hardest things I've ever done in one day in terms of a race, right? So adventure means there's going to be challenges, problems, et cetera. So you have to wake up and say, I wonder what, I wonder what fires I'm going to be putting out today. You can't be like, oh, I can't believe there's fires at the office I have to put out. Or, oh, I can't believe there's this problem that this person didn't do this. Like you can be fired up to solve it, but you can't be surprised by it anymore. And this is something that just has recently been a shift in my focus is just asking yourself, I wonder what fires are gonna, I'm going to be able to put out today, right? Focusing yourself more positively in that, in that way. And, uh, and that's what leadership is, is all about. But at the same time, it, it should be fun because adventure, that word also has a tinge of excitement, right? Fun. Mm. Like it's you know, flying by the seat of your pants. But at the same time, being organized enough to come o- to to come over and 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 uh, solve problems and challenges. It reminds me of Gary V when he says, "You just got to be willing to eat shit." Yeah, it's like what's on the menu? Eating shit. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, and the the more people that you work with, and the more things you want to get done, the bigger things that you want to get done, the more resistance there's just going to be, whether it's, it's from competitors or inertia or entropy or whatever it is. Uh, define intelligent achievement. Hmm. Yeah, so intelligent achievement, you know, it's I was trying to think of what the opposite of fake success was. And <laughs> when I wrote the book The Science of Intelligent Achievement, I I was in this space where I was like, wow, I'm I'm a phony. And a lot of us feel like that. And you know, I'm not talking about imposter syndrome where we just think that other people are smarter, but I mean this was something where I had worked really hard to create a certain image or lifestyle for myself and then I had it and I was spending more time creating and trying to prop up this image that was kind of like a combination of, I don't know, like Don Draper and Tony Robbins or something, right? And But it wasn't me and I think we all experienced that. One of my favorite stories, in fact, is Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor, famous comedian, right? He was a – he started off being a very um, kind of watered down, very funny comedian, but more of a watered down, dressed really nice, wore suits, comedian, really kind of more of a proper, uh, I want to say almost like a Steve Martin, like a version of Steve Martin comedian. Then he realized that he was a fake, a phony. This wasn't him. I think he gave, did a show in Vegas, if I'm recounting the, you know, the, the biography channel that I, that I watched correctly. <laughs> and he said, you know what? This isn't who I am. And he took off and he just disappeared for like two years. And people would see him on like on the streets of uh, I think like West Hollywood or something. And he, what he was doing was he was practicing new bits and stuff at these clubs that nobody would uh, knew about. Like he was used to performing in big audiences, but he disappeared. He wrote a bunch of new material. He found who he really was. And then when he started putting that out there and doing the small clubs, like he blew up. A, a million times bigger than he ever would have been because he found himself, his voice, who he truly was. That 
is intelligent achievement. He, the fake success is what's before, and I think everybody has to reach that at some point because, like I said, I'm a very visual guy. I create a vision of who I want to be, but we also subconsciously create these visions or ideals that we think we want to be or we're told by society or other people, whatever. And then you get there and you're like, this is not me. This is fake success. This is not real. It's not really aligned with my values, not really aligned with my identity. And then you have to go and figure out who your real identity is, and that's where the real work starts. And that's what the book's about. I think that a lot of us have gone through that or are going through that right now. Yeah, Where it's, it's all about just propping it up, looking good mm. based on what other people think. So I think that you know, just calling out, calling out what it is, fake success. And, and that's okay. You know, and I'm not even saying you should avoid that because you need – identity is a tricky and powerful thing. The power of identity, it's, it's something that's part of our primal brain and you, you will fight like hell to keep your current identity. So what we do is we create this vision of our new selves or who we want to be, whatever, and that helps us break free of our old identity. And as we're working forward, we prop up this new identity of ourselves of who we want to be, but it's not real yet, right? So there always comes this, this reckoning point, right? And you hear about people having an identity crisis because you prop yourself up, you get to that point, but there's some misalignment between your old self, your new self, and who you really want to be. And that crisis point is where people fall or where they rise higher. And you can fall by a lot of people pull back, right? So they, they can't handle success. They go back to being who they were. It's more comfortable, etc. I've been there. I've pulled back before. Safe. Other people, they keep being fake, right? They don't reconcile the misalignment between who they actually should be and who that person, that, that person they propped up is. That fake person is still there. You have to get rid of your past self. You have to get rid of that fake person that you propped up, and you have to become the real person that you really wanted to be. And to go back to the Richard Pryor, Pryor example, before he was even a comedian, that was his old self, right? Um, before he had any sort of success. Then he became a comedian. He had this vision. He was basically kind of mimicking off of his influences and learning from them and being who he thought he was supposed to be. That was his fake self. He had to put both those people behind and become who he really was. And, and that's the person that led to his professional success. Yeah, it's almost like there's uh, we, we have to let old parts of ourselves die for the new part of ourselves to be born. There's like, no let about it. You have to yeah. actively murder you have your to, old selves. You got to put and a I, freaking bullet in it. It's a fight. You know, there's a great there's a great movie uh, called The Peaceful Warrior, which is it's like a, a it was like a lower budget. It might even I be a TV. Feel movie. like I've seen that. Yeah, it's a really good. It has a man. Some famous actor does a really good job in it, but then. Uh, it's, it's about a guy – it's a true story of a guy who was an Olympic athlete on the uh, the rings, the Olympic rings. Yes. Yeah, and so he has this identity of himself and who he wants to be and, and be seen as, and um, he's living that out. Um, but he, he's also prone to making mistakes, et cetera. He gets in a motorcycle accident, long, long story short. Yeah. Never thinks he'll be able to do the – you know, be on the Olympic rings again. Um, has this identity crisis. He's at that point of where he really needs to become this new person. And there's this great scene where he's having like a dream where he's out on a ledge on the top of a building um, and he feels like he's about to fall off the ledge and he sees himself. He doesn't know if it hits himself, but he sees himself on the ledge. It's Remember, it's a dream. And so he goes over and he talks to himself and the, the other version of himself, his old self, grabs a hold of him and starts to pull him off the ledge. And – He's trying to save his own life, which is really his new self, like he's trying to save himself. But then there's this moment where it flips and his old self is about to fall off the ledge and he realizes that he's holding on to his old self. Wow. So I guess going back to what you said, letting go is right, right? So his, and, and then there's this really powerful moment where his old self says, um, who are you without me, right? And I think we all experience that at some point in our lives when we're changing and we have to say goodbye to the person that we used to be. And it can be a it's, – it's a very difficult time, right? And a lot of people don't understand this if you haven't been through it. But you do have to let go. And in some cases, you, you have to actively cut that person off, make them go away, and realize that that was great for, the, for, for who you were at the time. That was great for that season of your life. But now you need to become somebody new, somebody who you are now and somebody who's going to get you to, to, your, to your goal. Was there some form of that that led you to – that catalyzed you to writing this book? Oh, of course. Yeah. Like and something I think, you had to let go of or? Yeah. And I, I, like I said, I was in this, I was in that land of fake success. Like I, I had 
you know, those three identities were there. I was who I was before and I had achieved any success. I, I dreamed about writing a book and starting my own businesses, et cetera. So I created that vision of it. And then I saw how other people did it, right? I, like I said, I used maybe like a Tony Robbins or a Don Draper or, you know, even people that are more like you mentioned, Gary Vee or Tim Ferriss, whatever you, you create this amalgamation of what you think being a author or an entrepreneur or a business success looks like. And then you prop that up and you try to become that person, but then you become that person. And of course it's not you, it's just an amalgamation of everybody else and who you think you're supposed to be. And that's where the misalignment comes. And that's where people shrink back, right? Or they continue on being fake or they take the third route, the more difficult route and they achieve what I, what I called is intelligent achievement. They achieve who they really, really are. And that's where you let go of both of those things. You step into who you are. You be yourself and you let that come out because there's and – you, and, you, and you reach more success because of it because there's only one you and nobody can duplicate it. Was there a moment where you were awake to that? Yeah, and I think what causes – I mean pain is a powerful motivator, right? <laughs> we talked about negativity turning into productivity, but really it's pain that drives us. And pain is a much more powerful motivator than pleasure. This has been shown again and again. And for me, I, I told you I, I had a medical crisis and you know, I think everybody has this crisis point that triggers an evaluation and showcases that misalignment that you need to fix in who you are. And it can be a, a, a medical diagnosis. It can be a – loss of a loved one. Mm-hmm. It can be a, uh, a divorce. It can be losing a job, right? Some of these things that have statistically been shown as the most difficult things for us to deal with. And then you're like, wow, that wasn't supposed to happen. Like why, why did everything fall out from underneath me? And why does it, is it so painful? And you realize it's so painful because you're not who you're really supposed to be. Like you, you want to ensure moving forward, whether you know it or not, that external events can affect you in the way that they just did. And to be able to achieve that state, you need to become who you were meant to be. So you have really you have you broke your book up into three components: uh, selective focus, creative ownership, pragmatic growth. Which I would love for you to explore. But uh, would you say that those three, I'd say fundamentals, were mm-hmm. they missing at that point when yeah, you were, had the fake success? Like, yeah, I was. You know, like most of us, very distracted. And that's when I realized I was like, you know, why? What is keep? What is the one thing keeping me from moving forward and achieving my my larger goals? And the one thing more than anything else was not protecting my mental energy more. It was giving it away to things that just did not matter, um, to energy sucking people, um, to drama. Right? Like we sometimes we want to feel important during the day, so we let ourselves get sucked into drama, and we're like, oh, conflict. This must be important. Or I wanted to be the hero for somebody. You know, instead of letting them stand on their own two feet. That's when I realized protecting your mental energy, your focus, that, that's what comes first. It really is. And then number two, I talk about creative ownership. In, in society right now, it's almost like it's rewarded to not take ownership over anything, not to have a sense of personal responsibility. We blame other people. Oh, I'm miserable, miserable right now because my girlfriend or my boyfriend was a narcissist. Right? I'm miserable right now because I'm surrounded by all these negative people, my circumstances. You have to take ownership over your circumstance. Realize that everything in your life, in one sense, it's your fault. It may not be your fault that it happened to you, but it's your fault, your responsibility in terms of how you respond to it, what you make of it. Um, and then the creativity part comes, I mean, we live in this great day and age where, you know, it used to take a factory to start a business. Now you can start a business with uh, an internet connection, right? You can start a podcast or write a book or whatever your goal is, a nonprofit. You can do all of these things. So take that ownership into your professional life too. Like right now, people are still so dependent on one person for their professional success, like their one boss. If their boss has a bad day, they have a bad day, right? This dependence component is important to understand, and you want to stop being dependent. You want to be independent, and that goes along with that ownership piece as well. And what does that mean? It means maybe creating a second income, maybe starting Mm -hmm. a personal project that just you control, just you have ownership over because that ownership, it will make you come alive in ways that you've never come alive before. And then the the final pragmatic growth, that just means (laughs) – being real, right? Like now you can buy, I mean, you can play World of Warcraft all, all day, right? You can buy fake islands that are built online. Like there's this sense of have, perpetually having our heads in the cloud. Anybody can put their face and picture up online and say, hey, I'm a life coach. Hey, I'm a coach of this. I'm a success of this, right? So it's very easy for us to achieve uh, the, these new visions we want of ourselves, but very 
very rare now for people to actually get their hands dirty, to get in the trenches. So pragmatic growth means, yes, you need to grow, which means you need to stretch. You need to have a big vision. Have your head in the clouds in one sense, but you need to stay rooted in the ground. You need to respond to feedback. You need to take practical steps where your, your steps are measured, where you're responding to that feedback, where you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. So I, I like the way that it's like it's it, it's like a graduation kind of process. Like it moves mm. up. It's like okay, what's my mental f- focus? How do I clean that up? How do I re-energize myself? And the selective part, I think, is it's uh, that's super important. It's like what yes. am I going to put my attention towards? And yes. then the I think what's really cool about your book is that you actually go into a little bit of the nitty gritty stuff about just using yourself as a to, to express yourself, to create content, to communicate. Uh, to share something of value of yourself, which I think uh, I think that's really really important for us to just also you know if you include in the the validation or the feedback part of pragmatic growth, it's almost like you get reflected back at you. Holy smokes! Like I could actually add value in this yes. world. I could create a side hustle. I can create content. People will will respond to it in a very positive way. Wow! I I actually make a difference on this planet because yes. I think people before that they're just like, well, what does it matter what I do? Like, why do I need no. to take responsibility? Our prime minister it's will take a, care of it. The president will take care of it. The CEO will take care of it. Not me. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> I completely agree. I mean, we have such a unique opportunity now to actually create something. Even There's something that you know a lot about that most people do not know a lot about. You, there's your consulting business. Yeah. Get on some calls with people. Find, find some clients. People can exchange value now better than ever before. I mean, we're exchanging value and knowledge right now. Uh, online through through a medium that wasn't there you know 50 years ago so i think that's something that everybody should be doing if they want to get ahead i don't care if you are the ceo of a large company you better learn about this stuff because some other company is going to come out that's taking advantage of this new technology and and the new networks that are around and and they're going to kill your business what would you say is the biggest thing that's missing when it comes to i guess the whole self-help side of things the personal development space Personal responsibility is the biggest thing missing now, right? So everybody, they talk about all kinds of opportunities. They talk about all kinds of issues and problems that other people have or things you're up against. But nobody just says, hey, you're being a baby. You're being weak-minded. It's your fault. You need to take responsibility of it because nobody is going to swim for you, sink or swim. Like you, Bad stuff is going to happen to you. And how happy you are in life, how successful you are in life is how you're going to deal with that bad stuff. And just saying that directly to people. Most people, they don't want to hear it. They turn it off. The key is being able to say it in an, an empowering way because people have immense resources inside of themselves and like uh, not just their mental energy but their, their physical energy, their, their awareness, connections. All this stuff is crucial. And I think it's important. You know, t- Now more than ever, people – you know, we hear the phrase, your network is your net worth and this kind of stuff. It, and we think that who we know is more important than who we are. And that is not true. Um, we've all wanted to give more to relationships, right, or expand our, the number of our relationships. But we were stretched too thin. We didn't have time to do it. What does that mean? It means that you, your mental energy, who you are, that's the crucial piece. And the more you take responsibility, the more successful you're going to be, not just personally, but professionally too. Like your boss doesn't want to promote somebody that shifts the blame. They want to promote the person that says, this is my fault. The buck stops with me. This is a problem and this is how I'm going to solve it. Yeah, it's almost like uh, there's one way of communicating and speaking, which is this is why we got here and it's this person's fault and this is what I think. This is what my opinion is. And there's the other side of the coin, which is the responsible part, which is like, okay, this is what I'm going to do about it. I'm, yeah. taking, I, I'm going to take ownership. I'm going to clean up the mess. Yeah, is there any ways that you would say like we can catch ourselves like what do you have a tool or questions control your focus better than anything else um well, i think questions are the easiest thing to think about logically i mean of course getting yourself in a better emotional state like extra like we're all in a good mood after exercising etc but if you want to control your focus ask you know write a question down somewhere that brings your focus um to what you want to focus on, right? So in this case, if, if you want to take more responsibility, ask the question, how can I take responsibility for this? Mm. Write that down, put it on your computer, whatever else. And no matter what problem comes up, what it is, you're going to say, how can I take responsibility for this? Instead of saying, whose fault is this? And that's what most of us ask. Whose fault is this? Who did this? What happened? How is this my fault? How can I take responsibility for this? It's much more empowering because you're going to realize Damn. that you're able to solve most of these problems. If you just stop worrying about finding blame and just take care of it, it's done. 
and it'll help you stop being lazier. It'll help you realize what other people out there that are just shifting blame that are worthless kind of people to be around. Instead, put yourself around people who are all self-reliant, taking responsibility for their own problems. And, and it's more – it's just more of a powerful stance. It's like I can actually do something about it. Exactly. That's, that's what I think. That's what people don't realize. They think that this is callous. Or I hear a lot, uh, you know, victim shaming or whatever else. It's not though. It's you. The last, the worst thing that I could wish on somebody is for them to feel like a victim, even if they are a victim. Instead, you want to work with them to empower them to realize they have some sense of control and to focus on moving forward. I despise the person that says this victim should feel like a victim and continue feeling like a victim and just let them whine and complain, etc. I'm sorry. Sure, you need to externalize, but spot, you know, study after study after study shows that prolonged complaining and feeling like a victim, it actually makes you worse off in life every way. In fact, 30 minutes of complaining will peel away neurons in your hippocampus. That's the part of your brain that is responsible for problem solving. It's the worst thing that you can do. So you know, this, this, this buzzword of victim shaming, it, it's not really – I mean labeling people as a victim and allowing them to be a victim is going to hold them back more than giving them a, a sense of personal – responsibility and, and the the empowerment really to change their situation for the better no matter what happened wow so you have a very very diverse background you seem to have like just a really really unique intersection of of experiences i would love to know how you got to where you are i mean you, you have a background in anatomy and cell biology you're in the biotech field you work with phds transitioning to industry you do leadership talks and and write books that are about leadership and taking personal responsibility like that's a very diverse way of expressing yourself and 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 how you want to make an impact on the world how did you get to this point yeah i mean i i want to thank having uh you know adhd that really <laughs> helped me a lot like i just i have so many different interests Perfect. i mean i say that as a, jo- a joke I, I was diagnosed with that when i was little but i think um a lot of people a lot of us have a lot of creative ideas and different things and when you're when you're younger, early on, when you're just getting started and figuring out, you know, try all of those things. Don't be afraid to. I had somebody say this to me once, and it really stuck with me. You know, the right thing will pick you. And so mm-hmm. I started all these businesses, these ventures, and I learned as I as I went. I created, you know, I had created some immovable goals, some immovable principles, but my path to those goals and my processes were very flexible. And so I, it allowed me to try a lot of different things out, and then I saw what other people responded to, whether it was you know, personal relationships or a business market or whatever else. And the right person, the right things will pick you in that sense as long as you continue working and trying different things out. And so I went through this rapid phase of expansion, trying all these things. Then slowly, you go from expansion to consolidation. It's yeah. just it's, – it's like being at war is basically what it is. You want to change your life for the better? You, you have to expand. You have to take more ground, more territory. But there's going to come a time where if you keep expanding, you're going to overextend yourself. Costs you too much. And then you're going to get defeated. You don't have the resources to keep up. You can't keep all of your men fed or whatever it is, right, using the war analogy. Um, you need to consolidate. You need to instead expand, consolidate, make sure you nail down who you are and that new identity. Make sure that you get all of your resources in order. Make sure you take care of yourself and your health. Consolidate and then expand again. Hmm. So it's almost like you have to go out and do it. You have to go out and actually explore each of those interests because those are the things that are calling out to you. Like you can't really choose them. Um, so you've you've gone through lots of reinvention in your life, and you've sp- and, uh, and uh, I want to be respectful of your time. So this is this will be the last question. You've had a lot of reinventions in your life, and you have many hats. I would love to know what's the biggest piece of advice you can give to the people who are listening who are in the midst of career transition relationship transition um any 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 sort of reinvention where there is that metaphoric death in order for that new part of us to be reborn yeah i would say you know pay attention to two things the the thing you're most afraid of and the thing that makes you come alive the most a lot of us ignore that sometimes we start talking about something and you see it in somebody else if you're having a one-on-one conversation. They just get super excited. Their, their pace of their voice picks up. Their body language changes. It, that, is, that is a yes, I want to do this thing. And they're talking about maybe, – maybe this is a person that's been talking about this for 20 years. Like it's time for them to do that thing. Same with you. If you start talking about something and it just lights you up, pay attention to that. At the same time, if you talk about something and it intimidates you 
or pulls out this very strong emotion, like maybe it makes you very, very sad or very, very scared, pay attention to that and do that too because your biggest opportunities in life are going to be where you're the most intimidated or where you feel the most the strongest emotional pull in some way. So so use both of those as kind of uh, uh, warning bells to pay attention and to keep moving forward and taking more ground. Love it, man. Dr. Isaiah Henkel, author of the new book, The Science of Intelligent Achievement, How Smart People Focus, Create, and Grow Their Way to Success. Go get that book, guys. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Oliver. Hey guys, Oliver here. Before you take off, just want to give another huge thank you to Dr. Isaiah Hankel for coming onto the show. Make sure to go check out his work at IsaiahHankel.com. He has a great newsletter that I receive every single week. So much powerful information for us to chew on as we focus, create, and grow our way to success. If you want access to today's show notes, you can go to olivermanalise.com forward slash show. And as always, huge shout out to Marlon Manalise for putting the show notes together for each and every episode. If you have any comments or simply would like to connect, please find me over on Instagram. You can send me a DM. I'm just under Oliver Manalise. I'm pretty active there, constantly posting all things about life, love, and leadership. You can also find me and follow me over on Facebook. Hit me up with a DM. I'd really love to hear from you. Guys, if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to share this with a friend, your community, share it on social media, and be sure to rate us and write a review for us over at iTunes. It would be greatly appreciated. This episode is brought to you by Oliver's Picks. This is my monthly newsletter where I share the top five most inspiring and impactful books, videos, movies, articles I've discovered, and drop them straight into your inbox. Want to start your month off with a boost of inspiration? Sign up for Oliver's Picks at olivermanalise.com forward slash picks. For years, I've contemplated how to synthesize the work I do with my coaching clients into a more bite-sized format that still delivers the growth and transformation I know is possible for each one of us. Thus, I created a 10-step process and teach it over a weekend workshop called Reinvention Roadmap. If you're interested in knowing more about yourself and creating a life that's in harmony with who you truly are, check out reinventionroadmap.ca for dates, tickets, and information, and be sure to use the code word BREAKTHROUGH to save 20% off admission. That's reinventionroadmap.ca, code word BREAKTHROUGH. That's it, you guys. Thank you so much for tuning in. I look forward to being with you all next time. Oh,